Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Well, Dano, I'm doing great. I'm doing great, baby. Nice. Vindication Day again. <laughs> what did I tell you, uh, gosh, months ago as we wrote Spygate number one and just a couple uh. weeks ago, what was going to blow soon? The Ukraine collusion story, the connection to the Obamas, Hunter Biden, Biden, and it is blown up all over the place. I am going to lay it out for you today, what the Democrats are really hiding with Mueller and all this other stuff and going after Trump. The real collusion scandal between Ukrainians, key Ukrainians, and the Democrats. Hat tip, big hat tip to John Solomon last night for breaking a story, and I don't mean this to sound in any way pretentious, uh, but we had known about, and uh, we were just, oh, that's why I warned you a couple weeks ago. So good job for John Solomon. I told you Solomon knows everything. He knows the whole story. And finally, last night it came out. You may have missed it because the media is avoiding the story entirely. But trust me, it's devastating. All right, let's get to it because I got a lot of material to cover. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Harry's. These are the best razors out there. Listen, uh, I have a unique work schedule because I work in the morning recording this show. Then I work in the afternoon and I get a break and I work again at night. I can't afford to shave three, four times a day. I only want to shave once. That's why I love Harry's because it's the closest shave out there and it is unquestionably the closest shave for the money. A lot of these companies overcharge. You know, they put on the flexi balls and all this fancy stuff. Not Harry's. Listen, join the 10 million who've tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer today by going to harrys.com slash Bongino. Harry's founders were tired of paying for all these gimmicks on their razors, right? You know what I'm talking about, Joe. Spaceships, handles, flexi balls, vibrating heads. You know what I'm talking about. Meanwhile, they triple, quadruple their prices for all that crap that doesn't work. Harry's has fixed that. They made a simple, clean design with quality, durable blades at an incredibly fair price. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany. It's been making quality blades for over 95 years. They've received over 20,000 five-star reviews on Trustpilot and Google. They've earned it. Harry's replacement cartridges, get a load of this, just $2 each. That's half the price of the Gillette Fusion Pro Shield. Yeah, babe. All Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know. They'll give you a full refund. Get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. See that? Weighted ergonomic handle, five-blade razor with a lubricating (laughs) strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, a travel blade cover, and listeners of my show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash Bongino. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash Bongino to redeem your offer and let them know I sent you to help support the show. We really appreciate it. We love Harry's. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. Let's go. Okay. So... John Solomon puts out a piece yesterday which blows the lid off the big scandal I've been telling you about for seemingly eons. Here we go. Headline, The Hill, uh, John Solomon. Joe Biden's 2020 Ukrainian nightmare. A closed probe is revived. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I've been trying to get across for a long time that the Democrats' uh, obsession with the Mueller probe Uh, And the attention on Donald Trump and fictitious collusion hoaxes is is being done for a reason. Um, It's not just that they hate Donald Trump. So let's get uh, get the lead out in the headline right away. Headline. It's Democrats are involved in a collusion scandal, not Republicans. This is the real scandal from the John Solomon piece. 
But Ukrainian officials tell me there was one crucial piece of information that Biden must have known but didn't mention to his audience. They're talking about a speech Biden gave to an audience where he talked about firing a Ukrainian prosecutor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who was the equivalent of their attorney general. The prosecutor he got fired, talking about Biden, was leading a wide-ranging corruption probe into the natural gas firm Burisma Holdings. Where did we hear that before? That employed Biden's younger son, Hunter, as a board member. It goes on. Hmm. U.S. banking records show Hunter Biden's American-based firm, Rosemont Seneca Partners LLC, received regular transfers into one of its accounts, usually more than 166000 a month from Burisma from the spring of 2014 through the fall of 2015 during a period when Vice President Biden was the main U.S. official dealing with Ukraine and its tense relations with Russia. Paula, keep this up one second, please. If you want to watch the visuals of the show, you can go to youtube.com slash Bongino and watch this. Paula's nice enough to put the screenshots up on the screen for us. Spring of 2014. Let me read this sentence again, because I'm going to go to a Washington Post headline in a second. And now you're going to see why I've been talking about Burisma seemingly forever. Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's kid. His American-based firm is getting payments of $166,000 a month that began in the spring of 2014. Ms. Paula Bongino, please, if you wouldn't mind, throw up this Washington Post headline. What else happened in the spring of 2014? Oh, April 21st, 2014, Biden arrives in Ukraine to show U.S. support as crisis with Russia continues. How about that? How about that? Yeah. Isn't that special? Isn't that special? (laughs) Folks, Joe Biden's kid, Hunter, was appointed to a natural gas, Ukrainian natural gas company, where his company was getting six-figure sums per month. As Joe Biden was appointed by Obama as appointment to Ukraine, the same Ukraine that has officials funneling information into the United States about Trump. This thing reeks of a quid pro quo. Oh, I've got more. Joe, you sure you want to run for president? Not Armacost, Joe Biden. I know you're watching. I know someone on your staff, based on our numbers yesterday, somebody close to you is watching. We had phenomenal numbers on yesterday's show. Are you sure you want to run for president, Joe Biden? Now with your, your, your the general creepiness stuff, your, your comments about identity politics, remember the... Obama, he's clean. He's the yeah. first clean guy. Clean. Obama's, what do you mean? He takes a shower? I mean, remember that? Remember his talk about it? Oh, if you can't go into a Dunkin' Donuts without a slight Indian accent, Joe Biden, Mr. Oh, Identity dude. Politics. Jeez. Can't get out of y'all. I'm going to put y'all back in chains, Joe Biden. Joe, have you ever explained away your son's appointment to a natural gas board, Burisma Holdings? where he's getting six-figure sums while you have an unquestionable conflict of interest being the point man for the Obama administration on the Ukraine-Russia crisis? You don't think that's odd? Oh, and his six-figure sums start piling in the minute you leave Ukraine in the spring of 2014? But let's focus on X-Files like Aesop's fables about 
Trump and Russia collusion that doesn't exist. Let's do that. What a bunch of knuckleheads. Now, this is stunning because the prosecutor, he gets fired. This guy, Victor Shokin, Joe Biden, he brags about it. But ladies and gentlemen, listen, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about I because I, I, I want to be careful. I've got definitely some unique input on this for various reasons. But right. Biden's kind of like a happy idiot. But he's really not bright. I mean that. I, I mean, I don't mean like not bright. I mean, like not bright for what he's running for. He just wasn't smart enough to cover his tracks because I believe they thought Hillary would win. And as a favor for him staying out of the race against Hillary when she ran against Trump, I believe Biden was so convinced Hillary would win that they would bury all this stuff and Biden could maybe run in eight years or whatever it was. Boom. Well, that didn't happen. Yeah. And now all this Biden stuff is coming out and the mainstream media is avoiding it like the plague. Biden, what, and here's where I was going with this. In the Solomon piece, which is in the show notes, please read them. Go to Bongino.com. I'm humbly asking you to subscribe to my show notes. I will email you these articles every morning. Paula has it up on the YouTube screen. Just click subscribe on my website. Within the piece, Solomon talks about a speech Biden gave in front of a foreign policy group where he's actually bragging about withholding as the point man for the Obama administration, a billion dollars in aid to Ukraine, unless they fire this prosecutor, this is where, this is the hook, folks, that was looking into a Biden's kid's appointment with Burisma. Holy cow. Now, the initial setup there about Hunter Biden's appointment to Burisma right after Biden's in Ukraine, Burisma, Ukrainian national gas company, we've been covering that forever. I think we mentioned that Oh, joke six months ago. Six months ago. That's the running joke. Everything yeah. six months ago. But it wasn't a long time ago. I'm sure audience archive is uh, Judy. Uh, Judy S can figure that out for us. She's really great. But we've been talking about Barisma for a very long time. This was the hook. I didn't want to broadcast until all of it came out. I don't need to be first, folks. We just need to be right. And I've always insisted to you with a wink and a nod that Solomon, I'm convinced, knows the whole story. So let's walk through what we have so far. Biden in the spring of 2014 confirmed visits to Ukraine. Confirmed. Washington Post confirmed. He was there. And that's, that happened. Confirmed. His son, the spring of 2014, after the visit, starts receiving, through his firm, Rosemont Seneca, six-figure payments from a Ukrainian natural gas firm. Confirmed. Biden confirmed, gives a speech on tape later on, after he leaves office about how he got a prosecutor, the effect, effectively their attorney general in Ukraine, how he got him fired. Confirmed. His own words. It's now alleged in the Solomon piece, and I this has put meat on this bone right here, that that same prosecutor was looking into corruption and was looking into Biden, Hunter Biden, and payments by this natural gas company, Burisma. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an explosive story. And unlike the Russian collusion hoax, the tidbits and pieces of this story are not anonymously sourced. These, this stuff actually happened. Now, let's go on because this gets better. 
Burisma, this is where it gets, just to show you the network of corruption, ladies and gentlemen, mm -hmm. how all these people know each other, mm -hmm. all these people contribute to each other's well-being with pats on the back, scratches of the head. They all know each other. Burisma Holdings, the company Joe Biden's kid is appointed to, that Joe Biden gets an attorney general fired for looking into the appointment in Ukraine, right. equivalent of their attorney general. Burisma Holdings, right after the election, partners up with the Atlantic Council. This is fascinating. January 19th of 2017. The largest private gas producer in Ukraine forges a relationship with the new U.S. administration. The Atlantic Council of the United States and Burisma Group, the largest producer of independent natural gas in Ukraine, have signed a cooperation agreement. Atlantic Council will develop transatlantic programs with Burisma's support. This is fascinating, ladies and gentlemen, because who funds the Atlantic Council? This sounds, let me just be clear where I'm going with this. This sounds a whole lot to me like somebody's trying to make amends with a new administration, Joe, the Trump administration, mm -hmm. that they didn't think was going to be the new administration. We hired Hunter Biden, thinking what? Hillary Clinton was going to be president? Now let's partner up with the Atlantic Council after we start to develop uh, relationships with this new administration. Who else funds the, who funds the Atlantic Council? This is fascinating. Who was one of the larger funders to the Atlantic Council? It's a guy named Victor Pincha. Oh, yes. And again, unlike Rachel Maddow and her conspiracy yeah. theories, we'll actually put up evidence and show you their own press releases. Here's a release from Victor Pinchuk's own shop, the Victor Pinchuk Foundation. Paula highlighted for us up on the screen. The Victor, Victor Pinchuk Foundation supports the Atlantic Council's Ukraine and Europe initiative. Oh, wow. Isn't that great? So Natural Gas Company partners up with an Atlantic Council funded by a guy named Victor Pinchuk. Why is that interesting? Because who else is Victor Pinchuk a mega donor to? Oh, it just happens to be the Clinton Foundation. Hat tip Jeff Carlson over at the Markets Work, who did a piece a little while ago on this and put a nice little Victor Pinchuk compilation together. Here's his piece from March 11, 2018. Jeff Carlson, Victor Pinchuk, the Clintons and endless connections. Here are a couple pieces from that, a uh, couple tidbits from that piece by Jeff Carlson. That should fascinate you. Number one, although exact numbers are not clear, reports or reports filed by the Clinton Foundation indicate that as much as 25 million of Pinchuk's charitable donations went to the Clinton organization. Wow, isn't that nice? It goes on. This is what's fascinating. The Clintons, throw up the next slide from that if you don't mind. The Clinton people ran from their relationship from Pinchuk. Hmm. Listen to this. Later, the Clintons would try to distance themselves from Pinchuk from a Washington Examiner article. Emails made public Tuesday show a Ukrainian businessman and major Clinton Foundation donor was invited to Hillary Clinton's home during the final year of her diplomatic tenure. Gee, I wonder what they were talking about. Despite her spokesman's insistence in 2014 that the donor never crossed paths with Hillary. Amid scrutiny of Clinton's ties to Pinchuk in 2014, the Democratic nominee spokesman, Nick, uh, Nick Morell, said Pinchuk had never met with Clinton during that time. He told the New York Times that from January 20, uh, 2009 to February 1st, 2013, the Ukrainian businessman was never 
on her schedule, despite emails showing he was at her house and donated $25 million to the Clinton Foundation. Oh, show me the pinchick. Show- <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Let's lay it out. Let's reverse engineer this. So now confirmed. Biden gives a speech indicating he pressured Ukraine to fire a prosecutor who Solomon's piece indicates is looking into his son's appointment to a Ukrainian company. An appointment that happened right after Biden visits Ukraine in April 2014. Confirmed. Biden's pressuring them. You got to get rid of this guy. He admits to it, this idiot. In a speech. I'm telling you, this guy's not bright. He's not bright. The company he's appointed to after the election and what I believe is Pinchuk and some donors trying to grease the skids with a new administration in the Trump administration they didn't see coming. Forms a relationship with the Atlantic Council. An Atlantic Council funded by Pinchuk, who is a Clinton donor and a friend of the Clintons, although they now deny it. Why are they running from it? Here's where it gets really interesting. The Atlantic Council, which Hunter Biden's company, he's sitting on the board of, that's being investigated by Ukrainians Biden wants fired, according to Solomon's piece. This Atlantic Council has some interesting members. One of those interesting members is a woman by the name of Evelyn Farkas. Uh-huh. Evelyn Farkas. Here's the Atlantic Council, February 19th, 2016. Former Deputy, Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense Evelyn Farkas joins the Atlantic Council as a non-resident senior fellow. Wait, wait. Who was Evelyn Farkas? What region was she responsible for? Oh, Russia, Ukraine, and Eurasia. Under the Obama administration. Why is Evelyn Farkas interesting? How does she fit into this story of Biden putting pressure on a Ukrainian prosecutor to resign? Who, according to these reports, are looking into his kid who's working for a company that now has a partnership with the same Atlantic Council Evelyn Farkas is a part of. Why does Evelyn Farkas even matter here? Because Evelyn Farkas gave up all the cookies on MSNBC a long time ago about, back to the lead, folks, was there a quid pro quo amongst Obama administration officials doing favors for Ukraine who were passing information, Ukrainians that is, back to the United States against Donald Trump and used to spy on him? Here is a clip of Evelyn Farkas, and I want you to notice at the end, she talks about leaks. This is her on MSNBC. She talks about leaks, but most importantly, she talks about how she didn't want the Trump administration to know how they were getting their information. She was the deputy assistant secretary of defense in charge of Ukraine. Play this cut. 
Well, I was I was urging my former colleagues and and frankly speaking, the people on the Hill, mm -hmm. I, it was more actually aimed aimed at telling the Hill people, get as much information as you can, get as much intelligence as you can before President Obama leaves the administration, because I had a fear that somehow that information would disappear with the senior people who left. So it would be hidden away in the bureaucracy um, that the Trump folks, if they found out how we knew what we knew about their the staff, the Trump staffs dealing with Russians, that they would try to compromise those sources and methods, meaning we would no longer have access to that intelligence. So I became very worried because mm -hmm. not enough was coming out into the open and I knew that there was more. We have very good intelligence on Russia. So then I had talked to some of my former colleagues and I knew that they were trying to also help get information to the Hill. A lot going on today. Yeah. Mark That's Alfred. why you have the leaking. What? <laughs> Her former colleagues. So she's at the Atlanta Council talking to former colleagues in the State Department. I mean, excuse me, the Defense Department responsible for Ukraine. She's talking to former colleagues and she's telling us that's how she's getting the information. And they're leaking it to the media. Do you realize what she that, by the way, is an iconic for all the wrong reasons, media appearance that we've played on this show no less than probably five, ten times mm -hmm. because Farkas gives up everything. The Ukrainians were giving us information on Trump and that they were leaking it to the media and giving it up to the Hill. And she talks about people on the Trump staff. What was the information? This is all laid out in my book, Spygate, all of it. There's like two or three chapters on this. Key Ukrainian officials were working with the DNC's Alexandra Chalupa. She worked at the Democrat National uh, uh, Committee. All right. Ukrainians are giving her information on Manafort, who is a, a lobbyist in the country. Manafort gets hired by the Trump team. And all of a sudden, key Ukrainian officials start funneling information, including Serhii Lyshenko, a Ukrainian media personality turned uh, politician who Nelly or who's under investigation by Ukraine for impacting or for trying to affect our election. Who Nelly Orr, who works for Fusion GPS, the producer of the dossier, has already admitted was one of her sources. Do you understand what Farkas is admitting here? Basically, a foreign government colluded with us to pass information on about the Trump team. And we leaked it to the media in conjunction for what? Hunter Biden's appointment on the Burisma board? Folks, do you understand how devastating this is? The collusion scandal's real. It's just not the players you think. It's between key Ukrainians and the Democrats and the Obama administration. Farkas admitted it. She admits they were basically getting information from Ukraine. We know this now. Nellie Orr's admitted it. She works for Fusion. They put together a dossier. One of our sources was Sergei Lyshenko, Ukraine. Alexandra Chalupa, we now know, it's footnoted in my book, is working with Ukrainians who are feeding her information. She leaves the DNC later to work on the Manafort project. It is then Manafort's ties to Ukraine that are used as a launching pad to leapfrog to Trump-Russia collusion. Follow me. Once Manafort's hired by the Trump team, Manafort has already been used in a Russian collusion fairy tale. 
in 2008. I can't, gosh, I can't say this enough. They hit John McCain when he was running against both Hillary and Obama for president. They hit John McCain with the same charges because of his ties to Manafort and Manafort's business partner. They tried this before. It didn't go anywhere because Bush was president and there was no FISA spying on John McCain. Obama's president, they try it again. This time they abuse the FISA courts and they use a predicate as the dossier. This is the reason we should spy on them. Who's a key figure in the dossier? Manafort. Who's investigating Manafort? Ukrainians. Who are they giving it to? Alexandra Chalupa and State Department officials. And clearly people like Farkas, who seem read in, who are leaking it to the media. They're using the media reports to buttress the dossier about Manafort. But the Manafort dossier had already been written in 2007 with the famous Glenn Simpson, Mary Jacoby, Wall Street Journal piece. Glenn Simpson's the founder of Fusion GPS. He'd already written this movie script about Manafort, which they tried in 2008 and tried with more success against Trump in 2016. The movie script had already been written. The collusion's real. Ukrainians are shuttling information into the United States. As Hunter Biden's getting a plush appointment six-figure dollars into his company on a Ukrainian natural gas company right after Biden leaves. And Biden's dumb enough to admit when an investigation was opened up in Ukraine that he held a $1 billion U.S. taxpayer payment to Ukraine over their heads until they fired the prosecutor. Do you believe this? Do you believe the level of corruption we're talking about here? No, I can't. It's It's so, it's stunning. It's stunning. Ladies and gentlemen, this was clearly a quid pro quo. Here's U.S. aid. Here's information going back into the United States. You see how all these players are connected? Yeah. Pinchuk's a Clinton donor. He knows the Clintons. He's at her house. Funds the Atlantic Council. Atlantic Council hires Farkas, has Farkas on board. Farkas goes on TV, says, hey, I was keeping track of my former colleagues. And, you know, we didn't want the Trump administration to know how we were getting information. Prosecutors looking at Nelly Orr admits they're getting information from Ukraine under oath. Prosecutors starts looking at the Hunter Biden's appointment in a Ukrainian gas, natural gas company. Biden pressures him to get fired. Biden's the point man for Ukraine. And by the way, the Atlantic Council. Who sits on the Atlantic Council too? The chief technology officer of CrowdStrike, Dmitry Alperovich. Who was the company, ironically, that was brought into the DNC to investigate the hack. And they were the ones that determined it was the Russians. Based on what they thought was a footprint of an app that was hacked for Ukrainian artillery positions that turned out later on to be bogus. Folks, the corruption here is so, so bad. So bad. This is what they're really hiding. You now see the distraction, the convenient Mueller probe into collusion that didn't exist, which we entirely debunked yesterday. Mueller was engaged in a 600-plus day witch hunt to keep the attention off of this that I believe only stopped because Bill Barr and Matthew Whitaker took over the uh, the Justice Department from Jeff Sessions, who had recused himself. 
That's the only reason Mueller's probe even shut down. They would have kept this going forever to keep what I just told you out of the news. You need to read that Solomon piece. It's the most important thing you'll read today. It's in the show notes. All right. Um, I want to just recap this quick and move on. I got a bunch of other stories to get through that are super important. But that, I promise you, you haven't been wasting your time here. We've been on this forever. I've got more, by the way, on it that I'm holding back that includes, which I'll get to. Let me just tease it because I don't know when exactly I'm going to get to it. I'm waiting on some stuff. But it involves the U.S. ambassador over there as well, Marie Yovanovitch, and a guy in the State Department by the name of George Kent. I'll get to that soon, too. This is ugly, folks. Really ugly. All right. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Policy Genius. Can you believe it's already April? Gosh, time is a, a, a funny way of getting in the way here. But if you have mortgage, kids, or anyone depending on your income, you're going to have to spend some of that precious time getting life insurance. Policy Genius is the way I go. So it's easy to use. If you need life insurance, but you don't want to spend a lot of time comparing it, you should give Policy Genius a try. Folks, this is super easy. I can't recommend them enough. No one wants a big, complicated, long process you don't understand when trying to get life insurance. Policy Genius makes it super simple for you. It's the easiest way to buy life insurance online. In just two minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers and find your best price. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape. It, it, really, I can't tell you how simple it is. No commissions, no, hitting, no hidden fees, just more time saved for you. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. They make it easy to find the right home insurance, auto insurance, or disability insurance. They're your one-stop shop for financial protection. So if you need life insurance, but you're short on time, Head to policygenius.com and compare quotes. It's really that easy. Policy Genius is easy, saves you money, and not to belabor the point, but it's fast. Policygenius.com, policygenius.com. Go check them out. We love Policy Genius. Okay. Um, again, so just summing up, what this this has been a distraction, you know, an unnecessary distraction the whole time. And Joe Biden needs to answer a bunch of questions. And this is where I'll leave this segment. When you traveled over in the spring of 2014 to Ukraine, as documented by the Washington Post, when you traveled over there, was there any discussion whatsoever about you firing a prosecutor? Were you aware that prosecutor may have been looking into, uh, or, or any time after 2014? Were you aware that prosecutor after that had been looking into issues with your son's appointment to a Ukrainian natural gas company? Did your pressure to fire him later on have anything to do with that investigation? Let me give you a little wink and a nod here. Were there any files that went missing? Files that may have had information about your son's appointment to Burisma, quid pro quos, potential corruption. What did the U.S. ambassador know? Marie Yovanovitch. What has the U.S. ambassador been telling people in Ukraine about President Trump? She'd been telling people to ignore President Trump, that he's going to be gone soon, and he was going to be impeached? Mm-hmm. There are members of Congress who know about this. Folks, this is going to get really, really bad for the Democrats. There is a collusion scandal out there. It's just not the one you heard about. All right, moving on. I got a lot of news yesterday and today's been busy. And by the way, I want to thank you all out there on a very serious note uh, who sent me emails, Facebook messages, tweets, DMs, you name it. Um, after we discussed uh, just briefly at the end of yesterday's show, my friend with an addiction problem and how 
you will all always have a home here. You know, chemical dependency is a nightmare. And uh, I just wanted you all to know yesterday that I'm here for you. People care about you and, you know, God can save you. And I appreciate that. And your messages to me and Paula on email were, we responded to as many as we could. I'm telling you, though, we read them all and they are really touching. Um, Thank you for sharing your story. And I meant exactly what I said. You will always have a home here. It's been in my family. And uh, I love you. God loves you, man. Hang in there. You can beat this. You're better than this. You are. I know it. So thank you for your messages. They were really heartfelt. And Paula, uh, she's sitting right outside. She's like, "You please, you need to tell that to the audience because she was getting kind of choked up last night reading some people's stories. So thank you for sharing the details of, of, of your struggle. It means a lot to us. Okay, um, moving on. Sorry, it's a little, uh, you know, it means a lot to me. So uh, it was an interesting story in the Wall Street Journal today about how liberal New York just keeps going down the wrong path. And I, you know, I read this story and it's a topic I bring up often and is sensitive to me about the difference between red states and blue states, primarily because this show is an, an evidence of a Joe. Oh, well, you're seeing Joe right now up on the camera. Mm-hmm. Joe is up in Maryland, a high tax state yeah. uh, that really is run by liberals. As a Republican governor, but liberals run the entire state. Joe, you'd agree, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. they, oh, have, yeah. they have near super majorities everywhere. Uh, the counties are all run by liberals. Um, I lived in Maryland with Joe. It was a beautiful place to live. I lived in New York as well, uh, pretty much most of my adult life. Now I live in Florida. So I'm always fascinating. I'm always, excuse me, fascinated by stories about the disparities between how people think about the ideological policies of liberal states versus red states, uh, like down here in Florida, and how facts just always get in the way of stupid liberal arguments and they just can't accept it. So here's the piece in the Wall Street Journal today. It's, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, it's, it's called, if you want to check it out, it's by the editorial board. When taxing the rich isn't enough. Now, it, it, the, the gist of the story is that Andrew Cuomo, far left governor and brother to Chris Cuomo at CNN, son to Mario Cuomo, former governor over there, how they've not only gone left, but now they've gone far left. And he talks about all these new taxing proposals, congestion pricing in New York. There's now a you know, I was I was thinking about at one point. I said to my wife a few years back, maybe we should buy a place up in New York, you know. And my wife was like, we're not doing that. What are you, crazy? They buy a place up in New York. They, they, you know, you're going to get taxed to the, the death out of you. Now what happens? They institute a millionaire home tax or something. There's like a special surtax for selling your house. So New York has never given up on liberal policies. Now, despite the fact that these liberal policies are kicking people in the teeth, put mm-hmm. up a snippet from this piece because this is fascinating because I've lived in both. Mr. DiNapoli, he's talking about the uh, 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 a guy who's analyzing the budget increase, puts the increase in the budget nearly 4% double the inflation rate. Talking about the New York City, New York State budget increase. Spending on Medicaid and healthcare will rise 3.6% to a total of $19.6 billion. Here's where it gets fascinating, because here's where I live. Florida had 1.75 million more residents in New York last year, but its total budget was $88.7 billion. Folks, the New York City budget is what, 135 billion? We have almost 2 million more residents, and we spend between, depending on how you calculate the budget, off budget, on budget items, we spend 20 to 40 billion less dollars. It goes on. Democrats claim in New York, they're talking about, can fund their profligate government spending by taxing the rich. But affluent New Yorkers are now fleeing to other states. The state's income tax revenue came in $2.3 billion below the forecast. 
Mr. Cuomo blamed the shortfall on the 2017 federal tax reforms, salt deduction, but the rest of the country shouldn't have to subsidize New York spending and Mr. Cuomo won't cut taxes. Folks, stories like this are fascinating because it it speaks to the big lead 30,000 foot bird's eye view of liberalism. Mm -hmm. Liberalism and liberals talk a big game, but their actions are completely different. It's what you do that matters. And what liberals are doing is fleeing New York in droves. The taxable income base in New York is shrinking because people who are successful, rich urban liberals who talk about liberalism and Obama and Biden and Bernie and love them to death, when actually subjected to their liberal policies, are fleeing the state. The only thing popular about New York right now is escaping from it. I can't say this enough. It's Snake Plissken economics. Yes, sir. For you younger folks out there, Snake Plissken was a 1970s movie where Kurt Russell plays this character who has to go rescue the president from New York, which is a prison colony, and they have to escape from New York. Mm -hmm. The title, it's a classic. Joe's seen it probably a hundred times. Yeah. Great movie. Still good, even now. Escape from New York. That is the only thing that the, that the commonality with New York is people are trying to leave it. So I want to make two take two points here that are takeaways for you. Number one, if liberalism works, why are liberalism, why are liberals fleeing liberalism in mass? The tax base is shrinking. These rich urban elites don't want liberalism because they're leaving it. And they're going to Florida and Texas, which are not liberal. But secondly, how is it that a state that spends between 20 and $40 billion on fewer people than Florida has government services that are so awful, people leave them? You see, you, you get my point? Oh, yeah. So your, your, your takeaway, right. number one, is that we love liberalism. If you're a liberal, that is. We love high taxes, big government, big government spending, and far-left policies. Well, you're wrong on that because you're leaving. But your second point is that high taxes are good. Government spending is good because it leads to more efficient services than if these were provided by the free market. Well, that's not true either. People are leaving in droves from New York and are complaining about the government services all the time. The subways are broken. The pensions are broke. The streets are full of potholes. The DMV has lines eight hours long. Folks, I don't like making sweeping statements about single subject designs in my personal experience. But I live in Florida. Florida taxes its people at a fraction of what New York does and spends a fraction of what New York does on an even bigger population. I kid you not, I was in and out of the DMV here in Martin County when I got my license in probably 45 minutes. My handgun permit in a half an hour. Wow. The roads down here are beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I haven't seen... Paula, when was the last time you saw a pothole? I'm not kidding, seriously. Like, never? And she's like, she's confused because she's never seen... I've never seen a pothole down here. Hmm. I'm not kidding. The schools are pretty good. Working on some improvements, but are pretty good. And yet Florida spends less. 
So both of your liberal points, the ethos, the credo you live by are totally false and you're a hypocrite. We love liberalism. It's great. Then why are you leaving? Secondly, government services are great as long as you tax people more. No, you're leaving to avoid the taxes and your government services stink because people don't even like the government services enough to stay behind and take advantage of them, even though they already paid for them. What a scam. You are getting worked, totally worked (laughs) over in New York, Maryland, and elsewhere. I'm telling you, you come to Florida and listen, we have our problems down here. It's not utopia. I don't want to be dramatic. Florida's issues, so does Texas and other places as well. But for the amount of money you're paying in New York for a service, government, that you can't get away from quick enough, as evidenced by the numbers, people can't leave there quick enough, the, what you're getting clearly doesn't make you happy enough to even stay behind. And then you come to Florida and vote for that crap down here. It's incredible. There's a, the, the do matters. Doing that, ma- actions matter. You know, before I get to the Captain America, Chris Evans story, Paul, I just want to quickly, Joe brought this up last week in, or, or the week before or six months ago. <laughs> um, you brought up, Joe, when we were chatting and, and, and I know you, you always, you like this. And yeah. There's a difference between implicit and explicit knowledge. Oh, yes. There's also a difference between the do and the talk, right? You bet. And, you know... I, I, I know this may seem like an awkward segue, but it's, it's important for me to get this out there. This is the difference between liberals and conservatives, right? It's not just that they talk a big game. They don't do it. And in doing, there's knowledge in doing. Mm-hmm. You know, the example I always give is, you know, Michael Jordan, in my opinion, is the greatest basketball player of all time. But Michael Jordan was gifted. I mean, phenomenally gifted. He's a phenomenal businessman, too. He was a very charitable guy. He lives not far from me down here, in, I believe, in Jupiter, in Jupiter Island. I think he has a home down here. But sometimes the Michael Jordans of the world don't make great coaches because they've never had a struggle in learning a skill like uh, someone less talented would be. It's not a knock on Jordan. Please right. don't take that the wrong way. Jordan was a, an incredibly hard worker. But there's no question that Jordan had natural skills Joe and I don't have. <laughs> I think it goes without saying. For Joe to be one one millionth of what Jordan was, Joe would have to dedicate his entire life to basketball. <laughs> True. And in doing that, Joe would learn little tricks of the trade that a guy like Jordan may not. Because he didn't have to develop these shortcuts. And this, uh, and these, because he just came natural to him. Again, it's not a knock on Jordan. But doing matters. And in Joe's doing that and learning these things, you learn things. The do matters. And liberals don't believe it. They, believe they exist completely in a world of ideas. They, they, give, they lend nothing to real-world experience at all. Beto, Beto, as Tucker calls him, <laughs> who has almost no real-world experience in anything. Beto's their guy. Why? Because he, taught, he lives in a world of emotion and ideas. Oh, that's great. The do matters. Let me give you another example of why conservatives, who we believe in doing, get our fingers dirty, dirt under the fingernails. Do stuff. I want to hear from people like Joe who've done stuff. I want to hear from addicts who've tripped over themselves at some point and rescued themselves from the horrors of addiction, what they did to get out. I don't need a policy wonk. I need that guy. Mm-hmm. I want the carpenter who's paying the taxes on a small business he owns while he busts his uh, every day mm-hmm. building a house. What he thinks of the business environment in Florida. I don't need a think tanker from the Atlantic Council. 
You know, we started this video podcast about a month ago. We've been working on it forever for like yeah. six months. Actually, probably longer. We had almost no help in it. It was me, Joe, Paula, and a guy named Reed. That was it. And every day we learn little tricks. As you can tell, Paula's been doing this and figuring out new ways to get the graphics up. But we've mm -hmm. been doing stuff. And the do matters. You know what I learned? You want me to show you a little trick we learned? By doing, not talking like liberals. You see this, folks? Mm -hmm. That's a microphone. That's a lav mic. Right. You know what it's connected to? I'm going to show you. A picture frame <laughs> of me right. and my wife. You're like, wow, Dan, for an operation that's now the second biggest conservative podcast in the country, you attach a lab mic to a picture of your wife <laughs> and you? You know why I do that? Because it works. Yeah, there Because when are. I connected it to my collar, we found out during the show that the lab mic would fall inside the collar. Remember, Joe? <laughs> yeah, and Joe. It, we sounded scratching. like Charlie Brown's teacher. You know what else we just figured out today? That my wife, who's a perfectionist and I love her for it, said, she says, you got to take off that white shirt. I usually never wear white on the show. Why? Because if you look on the screen right now, it looks like there's something coming out of my left ear. That's a shadow <laughs> from a white shirt. And I said to Paula, no, I'm not taking it off because I want yeah. to incorporate this into the show because we do stuff. And now I learn not to do this again. Liberals just talk. We worked. We built this. Me, Joe, Paula, we built this. And we learned little tricks to give you a good product. Liberals write books about podcasts and videocasts. We do it. We're conservatives. We pick up the mop and mop the floors. We don't write books about it. We're the ones who built the houses. We didn't write books about the geometry of the house. We don't need the Atlantic Council. I was a cop on the street. I actually saw what liberalism does to decimate communities. I don't need a lecture about it. Be proud of yourself. Being part of the do side, not the talk side. Speaking of the talk side, thank you. Chris Evans, Captain America, Captain BS. Now, this I, I'm really, I have no tolerance for this guy at all anymore. He does a lot of charity work, and as separately, I, I applaud him for that, and I mean that. But this yeah. guy is clueless. He's a Hollywood actor. He plays Captain America. Mm -hmm. And he's he, there's a story up in Legal Insurrection, which is interesting. I'll put up in the show notes. That Captain America is and now he's not being he's done doing Captain America. The story's called Captain America star Chris Evans discusses starting a liberal political website. The website is going to be for, quote, empathetic citizens. Say what? Here we go, Joe. Empathetic. Chris Evans, of all people, telling us about empathy, framing the argument again in terms of if you're on his side of politics. And again, I mean it. I applaud his charity work. It's very yeah. nice what he does for kids and stuff like that. But on the politics side, notice what he's doing here. Here it comes. If you're not a liberal, yeah, yeah. he's framing this in terms of morals, Joe, that it's not just that Chris Evans and I and other conservatives listening to the show mm -hmm. have disagreements about how to get to a more prosperous tomorrow. If you disagree with him, you're not an empathetic citizen. His Bingo. website. This is, by the way, a brilliant move on his part. Troubling, ridiculous, absurd, and offensive, but it is a brilliant tactical move. The Democrats are notorious for this, getting out of the world of the do and into the world of ideas and, 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 and hapless chatter and moral framing. I'm going to start a website for empathetic citizens as if, Joe, 
You and I, because we're conservatives, don't care about the environment, don't care about children, don't care about... These are nonsense talking points. They're diversions. They're diversions, and it's framing the argument not in terms of ideas about how to get to a better tomorrow, but in terms of who's morally superior and who's not. With all due respect to his charity work, I'm not interested at all, at all, in a lecture by a wealthy Hollywood actor about how his sense of empathy is the only sense of empathy that matters. You know what empathy is? Allowing families to spend the money they earn on their own families. Empathy is allowing kids to go to the school their own choice. Empathy is not subjecting citizens of a country to a healthcare bureaucrat who, who, who rations their healthcare to death. That's empathy. Give me this crap about empathetic citizens. Get in the world of the do, Chris. Go work out with some carpenters and some former addicts and stuff and talk to them who've now become conservatives and Trump supporters. Maybe you'll see the other side, what real empathy looks like. Tired of these lectures, man. They're sickening. The AOC crowd. I'll get to that in a second. All right. Finally, today's show brought to you by our buddies at My Patriot Supply. Hey, let me ask you something. What are you doing when you install computer antivirus software? You play smoke detectors in your home. You sign a marriage prenup. What are you doing? What are you doing when you buy health insurance, car insurance? Insure your home. You're preparing for an emergency, preparing to ensure your computer isn't hacked, preparing for escape should a fire break out in your home, or you're preparing to protect your financial interests should love end in divorce. That all makes sense. Same goes for building a food storage plan. You're preparing for when natural disasters strike and shelves go empty at your grocery store. Prepare now. Don't wait for a natural disaster. You insure everything in your lives that matter. Why not insure your food supplies? It's just common sense. Or worse, you're cut off from stores like is happening with flooding across the Midwest right now. Don't be that guy or woman. Buy, buy yourself some mental, uh, you know, some, some sanity here, folks. Ensure your food supply. The best way to prepare is with My Patriot Supply. I've been encouraging you to do this for years. They've been a sponsor for a long time. They make great products. A two-week food kit is a must-have. Order a few at a special price of only $75. When you go to my website, preparewithdan.com, preparewithdan.com, it's actually their website, but my special website with my, got my picture on preparewithdan.com. These food kits include meals that last up to 25 years in storage. Prepare yourself so there are no surprises. Preparewithdan.com. That's preparewithdan.com. I've got quite a few boxes of this. You should prepare yourself. We ensure everything in our lives that matter. Go to preparewithdan.com. Pick up your two-week food kit today, only $75. Okay. AOC strikes again, Joe. Here we go. <laughs> uh, but you know what? I, Rather than trying to frame what AOC said, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I know some of you wish I would move on from this, but I won't. Um, <laughs> AOC has become the intellectual uh, scion of the left. She's become the tick of, tip of the spear, again, in a movement based on emotion, rarely based on fact. Uh, she steps on herself all the time. So here's AOC um, uh, talking about the uh, Republican effort to keep FDR from re-election after FDR uh, had already passed. When our party was boldest, the time of the New, New Deal, the Great Society, the Civil Rights Act, and so on, we had and carried super majorities in the House, in the Senate. We carried the presidency. They had to amend the Constitution of the United States to make sure Roosevelt did not get reelected. And uh, we, you know, there were so many extraordinary things that were happening in that time that were uniting working people. Oh, boy. Okay. I don't even know where to start with this. Uh, you know, I, 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 I guess it'd be disingenuous to say we're not doing it to poke fun, but I, I'm not. I, I, 
it's not disingenuous. I'm really doing this to point out the fact that you're listening to Representative Ocasio-Cortez. She's become the intellectual leader of a movement that says things that make no intellectual sense and ideas that are... FDR was dead two years after they passed the amendment limiting a president to two terms. He was dead. He had already passed. What was it, the ghost of FDR that was on the ballot? How did... This is just dumb. Republicans had to pass an amendment to stop FDR from being reelected again, despite the fact that he was already dead? Folks, this doesn't make any sense. Gosh, your liberal friends who are... Listen, everybody slips, and I'll be fair to her and give you her defense. She's saying, well, it was in response to multiple elections by FDR that he'd won, and even though he was dead, it was... I, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm trying to like... Give her the benefit of the doubt. But the constant foot-in-the-mouth nonsense about it's going to cost a billion dollars, the Green New Deal, but why should we worry about money? I mean, we spent money on, uh, you know, 9-11. We should be spending money on Puerto Rico. What? Folks, this is dangerous stuff. Mr. Ocasio-Cortez has tremendous power and an enormous following. Then she comes out yesterday with a tweet complaining about croissant prices in LaGuardia. I'm not kidding. We can't pay a minimum wage, but a croissant is $7. Oh my gosh, the croissant is $7 because of minimum wage. Why are you? It's precisely the costs imposed upon employers in LaGuardia Airport and a monopoly on business. Another leftist thing. They love monopolies. That leads you to a $7 croissant in LaGuardia. (laughs) Croissant. (laughs) This is unbelievable. She never puts two and two together. And people follow. This is how people like Maduro and others get in charge. They talk again, not in the do, but they talk about these big emotionally attached ideas. Oh, these evil Republicans had to stop FDR. He was dead. Oh, a woman can't make $15 an hour in LaGuardia, but a croissant is $7. Oh, okay, you, you're mo- But then you, when you think of the ideas, like it is well documented that the costs of employment are passed on to consumers. She doesn't want to do any of the homework. She's 29 years old. She doesn't want to do the homework because she wants to lead what? An ideological revolution based on anything she feels like throwing out. Nothing she says makes any sense. Oh, it's pathetic. All right, here's the final story of the day. Um, I mentioned the Streisand effect to you a little while ago with re- relationship uh, with regards to people on Twitter, how whenever Twitter tries to shut someone down, mm-hmm. uh, the Streisand effect kicks in. This has recently happened with this movie Unplanned. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. What's the Streisand effect? Barbara Streisand, a long time ago, asked these reporters to not take pictures of her house. Well, what happened? Of course, after that, everybody took pictures of her house. And the irony of the whole thing is if Barbara Streisand just wouldn't have said anything, that nobody would have taken pictures of her house at all, probably. And hence, it's called the Streisand effect. Bringing attention to something, asking someone not to do something, or trying to limit it. And by doing that, you create attention they wouldn't have gotten in the first place. Well, Twitter seems patently unfamiliar with the Streisand effect as they continue to step on their own units here by screwing themselves over. (laughs) So what happened? This movie Unplanned, which I bought tickets to yesterday, 
Paul, if you saw that on the credit card, I'm encouraging you all to go out, buy tickets, go see the movie. If you can't, support it anyway. <laughs> we have to do that, folks. we got to keep conservative Hollywood going. This movie, Unplanned, which is about the horrors of Planned Parenthood, is kicking butt at the box office. Doubled expectations. We have a piece up at Bongino.com about it. The irony of this is Twitter, they're, they're trying to claim it was an accident, but shut down the account for Unplanned, the movie, despite it being open for a while. Uh, right before its release in the movie theater. You know, they, uh, Twitter always uh, has an excuse, folks. It's nonsense. But again, did this thing backfire or what? Once attention by conservatives like us uh, was was brought up, we wrote a piece at Bongino.com about it, and I'm, I'm not taking credit for it. Others, uh, Twitchy and all kinds of conservative outlets wrote pieces about it. The unplanned Twitter account exploded, and now I believe as, as many, or if not more, followers in Planned Parenthood itself. So again, ladies and gentlemen, we win. They lose. Please go out and support them. It's really important. Go see uh -huh. Unplanned. It's really critical. Yeah, that's right. Is that Nelson Muntz? Is <laughs> Nelson me. Muntz me? <laughs> Remember that when Bart Simpson falls out of the tree? Yeah. Nelson Muntz? You know, and, and Nelson, he's, I think I broke my arm, Nelson. He goes, but you can. I said it. <laughs> I used to love Nelson Muntz. Yeah. The Sims, I hate cartoons, but The Simpsons was funny. That was good stuff. All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Bongino. Check out the videos. I think you really like them. Paula uh, puts a lot of work into them on the visual side. And please subscribe to our audio podcast on iTunes. If you have a, a Samsung phone or Android or others, you can subscribe on iHeartRadio, SoundCloud. It is free at no cost to you. We really appreciate it. The subscriptions are what's really blowing us up the charts right now. Yesterday, we were number five on the oh. top charts on iTunes, which is uh, iTunes, which is pretty incredible. And that's all thanks to you. Can't thank you enough. All right, folks, I'll see you again tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.